I am so excited today that we have our guest, Dr. Elizabeth Skoy, with us. And we're going to be talking about quite a few things, including um, work that she's doing with student resilience and mental health. So just to get started, Dr. Skoy, can you just tell us about yourself and your teaching style? Sure. So I teach primarily in a pharmacy practice skills laboratory, and those are my primary teaching responsibility lies. So a lot of my teaching is very hands-on, application-based. Uh, so it's not, you know, as much in a traditional lecture class, although I do do that as well as part of the laboratory course series. But that's kind of my teaching style. Um, so in that way, my teaching style is more of a, I would say like more of a mentorship or coaching, right? So I have students in with me and I'm, I'm teaching them about all those hands-on skills and application-based and answering questions. And so I find myself to be very fortunate as where I get to work with students one-on-one a lot more than I think some get to in a traditional lecture classroom or lecture hall. And so what kind of topics are you teaching in skills lab and then also in the classroom? Sure. So I teach, um, well, my practice background, I should say, is community pharmacy. And Mm -hmm. so I still practice in a community pharmacy. I have a practice site there. And so a lot of what I teach is uh, related to that. And I like to think that I touch more on kind of the expansion of more of your traditional community pharmacy into some of the other non-traditional roles. So versus um, kind of more of the dispensing functions that, you know, still are very important to community pharmacy and that we do in educating patients and things. But um, I teach non-sterile compounding. Mm-hmm. So that's one portion that I teach in the pharmacy skills lab. Uh, and then I help in the other areas as well. Uh, point of care testing. So point of care testing with um, cholesterol screening and, um, you know, hyperlipid or hyperlipidemia cholesterol and then glucose. And then also expanding a little bit into some of the newer point of care tests like, um, oh, uh, you know, strep, influenza, hepatitis C, those types of things. And then I also teach in the portion of the course for immunization course as well. Oh, so sure. I'm certified. I uh, have a, you know, train the trainer in a few of a few immunization certificate courses. And then I teach our students that and more of the hands-on and practical application of that. That's great. And so just thinking if you have someone who is maybe starting a practice site at a community pharmacy or is a community pharmacy preceptor, do you have any advice for that person as far as teaching students or mentoring them in that setting specifically? Sure. So uh, what I've learned as a preceptor, uh, and then I used to have you know interns with me as well when I, in the community pharmacy and still do, is don't let them just get lost into the regular workflow. I mean, mm-hmm. so many times in the community pharmacy, we get so busy and it's really easy to, and it's good to get them into the workflow, but don't forget those teaching moments, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you're doing something, um, let's say you have to call a provider on a prescription or let's say that you have to, um, I don't know, maybe make a change of prescription or send something back to a pharmacy technician for a correction don't forget to pull them into that conversation or when you're doing those profile reviews, you know, have, take a moment, pause and say, okay, what do you see here? And have them kind of identify some of those things and then use those as teaching moments so they can see more of the role of the pharmacist in the community pharmacy setting. Because I think some of our students, when they're in uh, the community pharmacy as a rotation site, 
many times don't see too much beyond more of like the technician role. Sure. And so, yeah, and maybe a little bit into the consultation piece, but right. more into those, you know, behind the counter, behind the scenes kind of things that, that we use our life, our, our knowledge and our license for. So. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. And so from community pharmacy, what kind of led you into this mental health coping skills resilience path as far as students? Right. So that's a really great question. Um, so I've always had a passion for service um, in general. So so obviously a part service is a part of a lot of our job responsibilities, um, you know, as, as educators, but just in my general life, I've always had a passion for that. And so a colleague of mine, Dr. Amy Wormeyer, and I decided to start up a medical mission rotation to hmm. Guatemala. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So we started that, oh gosh, about I don't know, it's like nine years, eight, nine years ago or something like that. Uh, and as we were starting this with our students and developing this as a rotation, a medical mission as a rotation, we were sitting down and we were brainstorming and thinking like, how can we capture learning? Because we felt like, you know, surveys or, you know, your preceptor evaluation or maybe even only a reflection wouldn't mm-hmm. really be capturing the learning that's actually going to be happening. We want to get in depth. And so we discovered the methodology called photo voice, which uses um, a camera really to capture a time or a moment or an experience, like utilizing photography to capture something. So we wanted them to utilize for photography to capture their learning mm-hmm. and then reflect on it. And so uh, and we've presented on this, what we've done with ACP and been published on this and things, but um, so that was a phenomenal way to capture learning in a different way. And we just, we found um, the exploration of their, the student learning so deep when they were doing that and the reflection just so much deeper than, you know, an observational of, you know, just writing a reflection paper. Yeah. And, and so, oh, sorry, I was going to say, one. if we can yeah. pause on that, because I think I've, I've seen a presentation, it might have been from you guys about sure. photo voice, and I've read about it a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about if someone wanted to implement photo voice, how to do that? Like I know I've seen where I think they only allowed disposable cameras or students couldn't take multiple pictures um, and there were like limits on the types of reflections. So can you just kind of go through those procedures a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the traditional way, and there's a couple of different ways to do photo voice and it's been the photo voice literature over the, you know, since we started it has just so drastically expanded. But really what you could, what you start with, uh, typically we'd start with our students with a camera and it was disposable camera. And the reason for that was, is that we didn't want students to get so hung up on the quality of the photograph. Right. right? Like you're not going to Instagram lighting. Yeah. yeah, Filter it. Right. We didn't want them to filter that. We wanted it to be genuine. And also with the disposable camera, you have to, you only have a limited number of exposure, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't take a ton of pictures like a digital camera or your phone and then go back and delete those and then use the, the other ones. We wanted them to, the disposable cap, camera can capture exactly what they were thinking and why they took that photo at that time, mm-hmm. right? So um, we decided to, uh, so that's why disposable cameras are, are great for photo voice. So then we tell them that to, or you tell the participants to imagine they're creating a photographic display of something that, you know, of a topic. And so ours was what they learned in, as this medical mission to Guatemala and how it differed from their classroom learning. And some of those things we asked them to take photographs of. And so 
they take the photographs and then they're usually given a journal. And so as they take the photograph, they reflect. And usually it's only, a lot of times it's only maybe a few sentences because especially in a medical mission, it's so quick. Right. You know, you're so busy that they have to maybe just step aside and jot down a few thoughts. But that way they can refresh why they took that photo. And then when they're done, uh, so usually give them a time frame uh, for these students. It was the time they were in Guatemala. Um, and then I'll get to a little bit of how we've used it in mental health as well. Yeah. But, um, and so they take this in this photograph and then uh, they, you go ahead and you collect their disposable cameras and then you go and dig to them, you know, developed and you should get, make them a duplicate. So one set goes to the student and then one set would go to us. And then we sit down with the students one-on-one and they go through the photographs with us. And then we audio transcribe those interviews with them. Oh, great. And we use the show technique, which is uh, show stands for what's seen here. Um, how does it uh, relate to our lives? Um, what does this really mean? How can it educate others? And so kind of that, giving them a guided reflection. And then after that, um, we would go ahead and... Uh, then we would reflect with them individually and then we'd all come together as a group and they would share the photo maybe the five photographs that are most important to them oh great and then they share those and then there's a group focus group and a group reflection and then audio transcribe that and um, our publications from this have been based off of the qualitative analysis of those um so that's how we started you know, getting into photo voice. Yeah, and I think that's so neat. And I, I really appreciate that you mentioned how you can study it too. Because I think that's right. something where people yes. be thinking like, how would you write this up? And by doing that qualitative analysis, that makes sense. Yes, right. And so then um, from there, my colleague again, Dr. Amy Wormeyer and I were thinking, well, this is just, we're learning so much from these students. And what if we used it to capture a medication experience as pharmacists. Like what do our patients really experience from medication? And um, to have more of a focused approach instead of just anyone and everyone realizing there's different types of medications and disease states. Um, my colleague, Dr. Wormeyer is also a board uh, certified psychiatric pharmacist. Oh, neat. And so she has a practice site in a psychiatric uh, clinic. And so we decided to use the what it's like to be on my um, medication for patients that were taking a mental health medication so mm-hmm. it's one medication for mental some sort of mental illness and we started studying that group and um, our findings from it were just absolutely fascinating we learned so much from our participants uh, a lot of even the role of a, as a pharmacist but uh, there was a few of our, in a, one of our original cohorts, we had a few college students that had mm. participated and they were recruited from the community. And during the reflections and utilizing photo voice to capture this, we noticed that they had a little bit of a different take in an experience. Mm. And this is around that same time, but there was a lot of talk about mental health and of today's, you know, adolescents mm-hmm. and particularly like the young adults that are you know attending a lot of our universities and colleges and so we received a seed grant from our a school of pharmacy to study um this within just our uh, so i met north dakota state university so within north dakota state university college students and mm-hmm. so we recruited college students to reflect or to participate in photo voice and um it's just really drastically expanded into such a positive way. Oh, that's um, so great. 
Yeah, so that's kind of where this has uh, come from. So it originally started as a as the study on NDSU's campus, and then the counseling center. We always had a, a member from the campus counseling center present for all of our interviews, and they thought that this was a maybe a, a new way to approach group therapy. Oh wow! And so they got onto that, and they did. They've done some photo voice sessions within the counseling center, and what we noticed from our students that are participating in this is that a lot of times our participants have been resilient or resistant, I should say, resistant to group therapy mm-hmm. because, you know, for whatever reason, stigma or mm-hmm. you know, just anxiety or whatever, they didn't like the idea of going to a group. Yeah. But when they were talking about a photograph, they said the focus wasn't on them and their illness. It was on this picture of a tree. Oh, and wow. How that tree related to them. Sure. Illness. So, um, it was really interesting. And so we found, uh, we've collected basically those photographs and reflections and we've created a website that is housing them and it's now expanding into something larger, you know, eventually here in the next fall campus wide of just kind of a movement to start to talk about mental health and mental illness specifically from the viewpoint of our college students in a different way mm-hmm. you know so um in in more of like getting rid of the stigma and just seeing it from a more of a real perspective uh from the real experience that they experience and um kind of working with us as a a photographer actually she's a a professor on campus in photography and, oh. and visual arts and she's working with us too and I think she puts it really well where she says everyone can relate to a photograph, no matter who you are. That's true. You know, anybody, everyone's been in a photograph, appreciates some sort of a photograph. So everyone can relate to that. So once you start that even ground of, okay, I can relate to this, it's a photo. Then all of a sudden you take that step closer for understanding what it's like for somebody to live with a mental illness. That is so fantastic. I have so many questions, but I did want to mention, I think, yeah, I think sorry, it's, and I went off like no, no, it's so, I was just listening <laughs> intently. Um, so I think it's so neat that it started with this Guatemala trip, you know, and then it's, which I think is kind of the classic use of photo voice that I've seen is like right. a, a medical mission, like you mentioned, or international rotation or something like that. And now it's this huge thing on your campus. I guess w- a couple questions I have are related to, if you were capturing a medication side effect, if you were just capturing depression, something like that, something that comes to mind for me, um, what are some photos that you've seen that have stood out to you or some of the stories that you've stood out to you? Because I'm sure they've been so interesting. Um, Gosh, there's so many of them. Um, So I'm going to touch a little bit on, uh, I'll touch a little bit on stigma. Mm -hmm. uh, Sure. You know, it was one that you necessarily brought up but there's but it's been some really interesting photographs to depict stigma um and so one of the photographs was just of a counter of all of these medication mm. uh, these medic you know these medications and and the participants st- said if somebody is fighting um, cancer or hiv and taking medication to sustain life our society looks at them as brave and strong mm. and why is it that my medication when people, I feel when people look at me and I need my medication to sustain life, I am not looked at as brave and strong, but I'm looked at as weak. Oh, wow. You know? and so, and that that just, so it powerful. gives me goosebumps. That's so, yeah, cool. that's so right. great. 
and to hear that from somebody yeah. um, was just really powerful and eye opening. Yeah. Um, we've seen pictures, a lot of pictures of pets. I oh. mean, we have photos uh, from honestly, like um, a lizard as a therapy animal to oh. you know, horses, cats, and dogs. And uh, pets has been a big theme. A mm-hmm. lot of that from just the fact that they, um, and this is not only from our college students, but kind of everybody is that that are that have participated in this photo voice research with mental health. Is that when you have an animal? It's for one, it's something that depends on you, so mm-hmm. makes you be your best self because there's somebody that depends on you and that loves you. And so, you know, maybe that day, um, like one participant had put it, maybe that day I don't feel like getting out of bed, but I know I have to take, you know, my dog for a walk and they depend on me, so I have to get out of bed and mm-hmm. I have to take them for a walk. And then once I get out of bed and I feed them and I take them for a walk, I feel better. Um, or even just the fact that there's something that, or someone or you know an animal that loves them unconditionally sure. without judgment. Um, so a lot of those, um, you know, as for side effects, we've seen um, some like a picture of a bed, you know, so this medication makes me sleepy. Uh, we've seen pictures of maybe a, a clock or an alarm clock or a timer. Um, that's really been interesting from some of our students. We've seen pictures of beds and alarm clocks that have really talked about how incredibly important it is for them to get sleep. Mm. Um, and that it's a college student that's really challenging for them. Sure. They're balancing their course workload, also trying to have a job and then also participating in extracurricular activities that maybe choir practices and start till 9 PM at night. That is challenging for them to balance their mental well-being as well and as well as you know participating in and living life to kind of their expectation of what they want to do in college so tons of I mean I could just go on and on um, you know with all the photographs and reflections but really interesting that is so neat I think that's that's just so it's such an exciting project so thanks for sharing that with us that is yeah, really awesome. really cool um, so now I, I get a little bit more insight into the the student resilience and coping skills and I think one of the things that stands out to me about it is I feel like we hear a lot about social media and mental health, but I feel like this photo voice idea and concept really lends itself well to the fact that students do take pictures all the time and videos all the time, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, but this is maybe a healthier way of doing it than just looking at everyone else's highlight reel of the trips they're taking and and things like that. So I think that's really neat. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it, it, it doesn't really, you know, with the, with the uh, campaign we're working on right now, we're looking at incorporating social media into that. Again, just because what you said, that this is how students are engaging. And mm-hmm. instead of calling that the enemy and the problem, which I'm not saying that there aren't issues definitely with social media and how we're communicating as a society today and comparing ourselves to others and things. But on the other aspect of just of you harnessing that and getting a way for people to connect on a deeper level than just looking at, you know, where somebody is on vacation, um, looking more into how that person is feeling at that moment or what's happening inside of them and maybe developing a connection to them through a photograph. So just a different take on it. Absolutely. And I think the other really great thing just for faculty to think about with this type of project is that it sounds like you're really incorporating your practice and your teaching and your scholarship, which I think is one of the goals for all of us. So I think that's really, really neat. Right. And I would kind of say that too, you know, if there's somebody who's listening that's starting out, um, 
you know, let your passion be your guide mm-hmm. and, and let that see where that takes you. Um, when I first started, I heard a lot of people telling me and other, not necessarily in the world of pharmacy, because I feel like we have a heart of service because of what we do, mm-hmm. but just maybe in different areas of academia across the campus was saying, don't get overwhelmed by service. You know, don't, you know, don't spend all of your time, you know, it's service because you got to put it towards research and you're teaching and, you know, and I thought to myself, well, that's where my heart is. Mm-hmm. And so finding a way to grasp that surface, whether it's your practice site or whether it's serving others in the community or working with students, finding a way to grasp that and take that passion because that passion will drive your research and that will make you, it won't, research will become a burden. It will become a passion. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. So just, just look at that and, and don't let the what ifs and kind of the outside voices deter you from something that you're passionate about. I think that's great. And that way, I think when you are writing this up, you're so much more excited about it than just, you know, oh, I need a publication. I'm going to do this random article that I'm not that even excited right. about. Absolutely. So going along with just your recommendations as far as someone starting out, do you have any books or resources or podcasts that you typically recommend? Um, so I listen to, uh, so books, resources, oh gosh, for starting out. Um, so there's a book that I've uh, found interesting of the, it's just on classroom assessment techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've read through that a couple of times, just different ways to engage the classroom. And um, so I've, I've definitely looked at that um, as a book. Also, I think there's a few books out there, um, like, um, gosh, the, what the best college teachers you do. Uh, that's one that, oh, was, yeah. that was written. But yeah. So mm-hmm. um, that was just kind of a, an interesting read just to see a different perspective on that. I don't have a lot of time to read. I'm yeah. pretty busy at home. <laughs> I have three little kids. Uh-huh. So when I do read, I want to make sure it's something that I'm reading because I'm interested in it, not just something that, you know, is kind of, well, I should read this kind of a thing. Um, podcasts, um, I'm kind of a really wide variety. I really do like to listen to podcasts and and just pretty much anything that um, from faith-based to, uh, you know, kind of fun stories of things that are happening, you know, mm-hmm. or just random facts, like how things work is a really oh, popular sure. one. And yeah. I like, sometimes listen to, like to listen to that. Uh, it's just a kind of a fun listen. But when it comes to pharmacy, sometimes I feel like it's really hard to catch up on everything that's happening in the world of medicine. And so... There's a group outside of Canada that um, puts on, I, I believe it's like, it's called Beth Science yep, Medicine. Beth Science yeah, Medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it's like you probably listen to it. And all they're fun to listen to. And um, they just really, they take some really important topics in the most current literature and they break it down in a really easy to follow way. So sometimes I'm on my way to work in the morning and I'm listening to something about, you know, the current trends in um, like the evidence base for, you know, the newest, you know, something that's come out in JAMA or, you mm-hmm. know, the Lancet or whatever it is. And they kind of break some of that down and, and almost do like a meta analysis audio, you know, via audio podcast. And so that's kind of a quick way for me sometimes to get kind of what's, the newest in you know research and things, and then if I want to, I can go ahead and read more on that in the articles that they talk about. So 
That's exactly how I use them as well. So I listen to quite a few of the medical podcasts for clinical updates. And it's the same thing. At least I have an idea of, you know, because maybe I don't, I, I'm in internal medicine, so I don't do a ton with oncology or some of the really specific areas, but at least I know what's going on. And if I want to look into yes. it further, I can. Um, so right. yeah, I think podcasts yeah. are such a great way to stay up to date with stuff. Yes. Right. Because they're all, to really sit down and dive into those is challenging yeah. or, or not even the podcast. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, the, the journals or, you know, to read those cover to cover and sometimes it's going to be really challenging for time, but yeah, this is a great way to, on your way to work or when you're getting ready in the morning or maybe out for a walk, you can plug that in and exactly. it's entertaining, you know? No, it yeah. is. Absolutely. Whenever I walk the dog, I'm always listening to podcasts. So, yeah, um, and then, so where do you, it sounds like you have tons of great ideas. Where do you get these ideas or who inspires you? You know, so much of what I do is so focused on collaboration. I feel like everything is better in a team. Um, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the strengths. And so I think surrounding yourself by good people and other people that can bring other skills and other um, information to the table is so incredibly important. And so, um, you know, I, I try to take advantage of any educational opportunities that come about. So I attend AACP. Um, I read some, um, you know, of the, some, you know, the quick, you know, articles or things that might come out here and there about different ideas. Also, my husband works in the student affairs side of mm -hmm. higher education. So he has his master's and almost his PhD in, in more of the um, student affairs side of things. And so sometimes I just learn really cool ideas from him and mm -hmm. what he knows. And, um, and of course, my colleagues here, you know, at, at the university. So I team teach with a couple of individuals that have been uh, we've published together and we've um, really done some great things together. And I think we're together better as a team. Uh, we really complement each other very well. And, you know, my other colleagues, I mentioned like already, you know, Amy Wehrmeyer, who's done a lot with this photo voice with me. It's been, we're side by side in that. And so, yeah, I think it's just, just getting to know people and learning their strengths and then learning from them is, is just really, really helps make, I feel like me a better teacher. Absolutely. And then our last question. So what is your overall prescription for life, success, happiness, whether in this job or just in general? Oh, gosh. Overall prescription for success. You know, um, if I had to say it is just, uh, you know, I don't think there's ever such a thing in life as balance. Um, <laughs> I think it's more, we call it, I think as someone put it once, as like homeostasis, right? And so you just, I like, like that. To, yeah. <laughs> So understanding that there are going to be times in life where um, you have to devote more time to something and less to other things, but be okay with that. And, and when you make a decision, be happy about that decision and, and be okay with that and moving forward without a lot of regrets and looking backwards. Um, and also, you know, for me personally, um, what grounds me or I like to think what grounds me, I have, I have a strong faith. And so mm -hmm. just being grounded in that, I think is personally just really important for me. Uh, but yeah, just trying to, uh, and love what you do, you know, just wake up and I, I have a job where I wake up every morning and I don't ever dread going to work, mm -hmm. you know, um, even today when it's in North Dakota and it's not always the nicest weather here and it's 89 and sunny out, I'm perfectly fine with working on all of the things that I get to work on today. And so, 
um, yeah, I think that's it. Just finding your passion and moving with it and letting that guide you. That is so great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Skoy, and thank you everyone for tuning in to Two Pills Podcast. Thanks so much.